Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Chris Starr back again with the Wildlife Command Center podcast. And today I've got Bear Hands Baran back. Bear Hands Baran. Michael Baran with Wildlife Command Center. He just landed back in St. Louis from a world tour. <laughs> Not really, but you know, he was making his rounds. We went to Las Vegas last weekend and then he visited Reno, one of our other offices. And now he's back safe and sound with the fam at our company headquarters. And you know what we talked about on the airplane? We flew to so many different cities because, you know, you can't just go from here to there. We flew to Los Angeles. We flew to Dallas. We flew to Salt Lake City. Man, we flew all over the place. And you know what we talked about on every single flight? Bare hands rescue because, I'm. you know, one of the things (laughs) I do when I'm on a plane is I sit there and I take my bare hands rescue poster, picture, and mm-hmm. I go to airdrop, and I just airdrop <laughs> it to every single person on the airplane. And it's it's kind of yeah. wild because some of the flights, I'll get like a 50% acceptance rate. Oh, sheesh. And then other flights, I'll get like 10%, you know? So it's pretty crazy. Ah. But the people around me were looking at the picture, and we talked about Bare Hands Rescue. And if you don't know about Bare Hands Rescue, go to Discovery Plus, type in Bare Hands Rescue, watch the show. For sure. But the thing that we talked about the most on these flights, believe it or not, were bobcats. <laughs> They're pretty hot right now, I'm going to be honest. It's amazing how many bobcats we have in the urban environments. Yeah. I know that in Reno, we dealt with them all the time. Yeah. And when we were operating in Dallas, we did bobcats constantly. Yep. How about in St. Louis? It's been a while since I've lived there. Uh, you know, we got like two good bobcat stories. If anybody wants okay. to hear a story. I'm sure they do. So let's start with St. Louis Bobcats. Well, the most notable story that I can remember was this one time this customer called us and they said, hey, I got a bobcat on my sun porch. <laughs> and of course, I'm like, <laughs> that's right. All right. What's the story with this? And I said, well, why don't you just open the door and let him go? He goes, and you don't understand. My, my sun porch is on the second story. And the only way I can get up there from the outside is to go up a flight of steps. And there's a little bit small landing. And I said, I'm not opening that door. I was like, all right, understandable. You know? So we, uh, we talked the customer through, and it seemed like an impossible situation. So we go out there and we uh, do an inspection. Because, you know, every wildlife encounter starts with a really good inspection. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. You know, you got to figure out what's going on. First off, you got to figure out how in the heck did this even happen in the first place? Which in itself is interesting because, you know, if it can happen, it will happen. Whose law is that? Murphy's, isn't Murphy's it? Murphy's law. If it can happen, it will happen. Didn't I, I quote that recently and then you corrected me? I think most people think it's if something can happen, it will happen. But it's actually, if anything, like anything at all, good or bad, if it can, it will. Yeah, so that's the whole premise of it, you know. And uh, so anyway, we go out to this place, and sure enough, it's it's one of these homes that's got a basement on it, nice house, two-story house. And on the back side, and of course, if folks don't know about the construction in St. Louis, these people can build a house on the side of the steepest hills, <laughs> Dude, you're not you kidding. Know, it's like the steepest. It's hills. like the front side of the house looks like it's a story and a half. The back side of the house looks like it's four stories. Yeah. 
because, I mean, they have perfected the art of blasting into the rock, cutting out a basement, building up a structure, and and the very back of the edge of it, when you look out the balcony, you're looking straight down. It's crazy how they how they do it here. But anyway, this particular house, yes. There on the backside was this big, huge sunroom, screened in, and there's one little bitty flight of steps going up to it from the back. And then from inside the house, it's like a French door, a sliding glass door going right off the breakfast room into the sun porch. And we get out there and we're like on the inside of the house, we're looking through the glass and it's a big glass, big glass door. And I think there was a glass window too, like a really oversized glass window right beside it. And sure enough, there's a bobcat sitting on their patio furniture, looking out into the sunrise like, what am I doing here? What a wonderful morning. Anyway, cra- crazy <laughs> nut stuff. So they're all worried about this bobcat. And I'm like, how in the world did this bobcat get in here? And he said, and the customer said, hey, we've seen this bobcat around. We've been concerned about him because he's in our neighborhood. They're worried about the little kids in the neighborhood. And they're worried about the little dogs in the neighborhood, which the little kids, not so much a problem, but Yes. But the little dogs? Little dogs, dude. They will snatch those suckers up as quick as look they at sure them. They sure can. They especially like chihuahuas, which reminds me of another oh. story. Tell them, remind me to tell you the story about the chihuahua and the bobcat. But anyway, so this bobcat's just like sitting here on the back porch. And the best that they can figure is that the storm door or the screen door on the back porch landing, the steps outside, was usually left open. And it's only screened in, you know, and all their back porch furniture and their sunroom furniture is all that wicker and waterproof and stuff like that. Anyway, they figure the, the bobcat got in the porch checking things out and the wind blew the door shut. Hmm. So anyway, here's the deal. I was just going to go open up the door and kind of gingerly whoosh the bobcat out. Yeah. But... It wasn't of that nature because they didn't want to let the bobcat go in in their neighborhood. They wanted this bobcat translocated. Ah. You know, if we would have just opened up the back door, sush him out, that technically would have been relocating him. Because, you know, the term relocation, translocation, relocation, you're you're removing the animal, but he's staying in his home territory. Mm-hmm. Yep. Translocation, we're taking him outside of his home territory. And if you're going to do that, take him far enough away that he's not coming back. You know, take him across yeah. a couple of rivers. Yeah, especially with a large cat, you know what I mean? Yeah, so just in general, we don't translocate very often. Some animals are candidates for translocation. But with a big cat mm-hmm. like that, you're going to need to take him at least 100 miles and across two bodies of water at least. They have humongous home ranges. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like uh, family dogs. You've heard stories of family dogs being somehow translocated. They make their way back home hundreds of miles. Mm-hmm. So they wanted us to capture it. So I'm like, okay, well, this is going to get ugly because I'm going to put a catch pole on it. Ugh, yeah. it did get ugly. <laughs> yeah, because, man, bobcats can, not only are they strong, but they are agile, incredible athletes, big mm-hmm. teeth, big claws, lots of equipment to mess you up. 
Yeah, a coyote's just got its mouth, dude. Right. And if you scruff them, they just go limp and they kind of just, uh, I'm just a... Hey, and if any of your listeners don't believe that, just watch that uh, that TV show, that real popular TV show. What's it called? Bare Hands Rescue, baby. Bare Hands Rescue, you know? (laughs) And you'll see it. I I scruff that coyote and he just goes limp, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just like, ugh, I give up. But anyway, this bobcat, it was a... A difficult situation because one, we got these people's furniture and their stuff. Two, they don't want us to let it go. And you know, the customer's always right most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so we decide that we're gonna catch pole it. Well, I'm gonna tell you what, this bobcat Ugh. was having no part nope. of no. that catch pole. None. I mean, I literally could not get this catch pole within 18 inches of this bobcat because he was so fast with those big old paws. Yeah. Yeah. And surprisingly frightening of a growl, that little bob. I mean, you know, everybody's like lions, tigers, oh, scary. You know, of course, mountain lions, very scary. Dude, that cat, that little, I mean, what are they? Maybe 30, 40 pounds, right? Yeah, that one was probably about 32 pounds. The crazy sounds that came out of this freaking thing. Yeah, we might we, we might want to note that you were here helping me with this particular job. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I was here. I was present. We're just recounting the story for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so then we decide that, well, maybe we can shoosh it into one of our bobcat traps. So Chris gets this great idea about using some of the furniture... And the other thing, too, about this bobcat, he pretty much knew that he couldn't get out, and he pretty much knew that if he kept his back in the corner and faced us, that he had the upper hand, you know? And so that's mm-hmm. what he was literally doing. He was on he his haunches, straight up and down, pretty much, with his butt in the corner, the back corner of the sunroom. Yep. Anything we tried to do, he would just pow, 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 just like knocking, wah, wah, wah. The, knocking the catch pole out of the way. So yeah. Chris decides that if we pull the wicker love seat out and scooch it closer to him, we could make like a little channel behind it and then put a bobcat trap, a cage trap, a live trap behind it that maybe we could poke him enough that we would make him go behind the couch because it would seem like it's a little hidey hole. And it was a great mm-hmm. idea. We didn't take into account... That normally with these cage traps, the animal creeps his way in. And this particular one set up for Bobcat, so it had a huge floor pan to trigger Mm -hmm. the trigger mechanism. And so typically what would happen is you'd have something in the back that would visually stimulate them, like a white feather floating around. You'd have some some really good smelling lure maybe underneath it. Mm -hmm. And and he would just be sniffing. He would just like, he'd be like pounding. Going in real slow. And so the weight of the bobcat would slowly push on that pan, that floor pan. And then when he got all the way in it to the feather where he could smell the feather, then boom, the door would shut behind him. Since he was Mm -hmm. facing forward, no problem. That's not exactly what happened. Now, he went vertical. Man, he went inside the trap. And I don't know how but spun around, came back out of the trap faster than the door could close. Yes. 
Like, I mean, it, it was like some kind of Tasmanian devil. And then he looked at us and bounced straight up on the screen. And this is like, this is like metal mosquito netting screen type screen. And he went straight up and the weight of the Bobcat tore like about an 18 inch triangle out of the screen. My heart sank when I saw that. I'm like, oh, there it goes. We're going to fail because he's going to find that hole and just leave. Well, the other part of it too that I, I hated for it was like there was a 20 foot drop if he went through that hole. And then I was thinking, then the customers watching us the whole time, mm -hmm. they were adamant about us translocating this, this bobcat. Yeah. You know, so it was like, now I got the customer watching us. And I don't want the bobcat to go jump out. Now, I don't think he would die from a 20-foot drop, not a cat. No, no, not a bobcat. But I do think he might have injured himself. Uh, you know? And then that, that would have been worse. So yeah. I leave Chris in the sunroom with the bobcat. <laughs> you know, I just wanted him to keep the bobcat's attention so maybe he would back in the corner. And he did. He kind of backed in the corner. This is when I'm at like full wizard beard mode of myself. No, that was not a wizard beard. That was <laughs> not a wizard beard. That was a professional homeless man. Anyway, I run outside. I grab my 32-foot ladder off my truck and... I run around the backside, down the hill, put the ladder up. I grab some real thin wire that was, that was in my truck. I always keep the wire off of rolls of hardware cloth, like the little thin mm -hmm. wire they keep that stuff held together with. And so, put the ladder up, climbed up there, and I sewed the screen back together with that really thin wire just so that we could work on the Bobcat. And during that period of time, somehow... You can tell this part of it better than me, but somehow you had taken a, a pet taxi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, the opening was larger, and I had more control of the door. Like, so the bobcat trap doors are difficult to like for a human to have slammed shut. But like, if I had my hand on the back of the pet carrier door, they're swing panels, so I could have very easily slammed it shut like with the force of my hand, if he tried to do the spin around move, you know, as well as like the, the force of my hand could have prevented him from going out. Should he turn around and try to be pushing the door open in that little split second? Well, while I'm stitching up the screen, I'm like above the, the Bobcat. And so now yeah. he's got Chris in front of him inside the room, but he's got another human above him and he kept getting really, really nervous. He kept looking up looking at me. About, he kept looking, looking around, at you. Yeah, back and, forth. and then real slowly, he started to move. And so I stopped. I stopped stitching the screen up and he like real softly went inside that hidey hole because you put a blanket or something over it. I did, yes. Yep. Yeah, so it was like, so it was like a little dark hidey hole or something. But anyway, this bobcat, super nervous because I'm above him. He just goes real softly, and he goes right inside the pet carrier, and Chris just goes, bloop, locks the door on him. Click. And I was like, ah, that's pretty nice. We did it. So, so yeah, <laughs> we captured him. And then, so then I redid my, my wiring, and I stitched that little cut 
And the customer was super happy. And then the customer was like all cheerleader, you know, wow, man, that was really cool. I was kind of worried about y'all first, you know, but y'all really did it. Y'all pulled it out, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and that's kind of the story of our life, you know, and just get yourself into the weirdest, craziest situation that you could possibly get into and then just figure a way out, you know? Yeah, no kidding. The episode that dropped a couple of days ago, by the time this goes out, I detail a bit of a skunk situation that I had to deal with. Oof, it was a rough one. Mm, skunks yeah. are always tough. Yeah, especially when they're not in a tough trap. Ugh. What was the other Bobcat in St. Louis story before we go to like other areas? Well, you know, the other one is not nearly as exciting. That one was pretty tense. But um, we had a bobcat that was uh, called in. You know Rug Doctor? Yeah. Where there's this huge warehouse, and it's a Rug Doctor warehouse. And they called in, and they said, hey, we got a bobcat in the, in the warehouse, and we need you to get it out. And I was like, okay. I'm really thinking, <laughs> like, I was really thinking it was like a big tabby cat, cat. you know? Yeah, seriously. Or like a, just a big brown tomcat, right? Worst case scenario, that is uh, like a... What are those cats called? A bangle cat, you know, that maybe got, oh, yeah. got out, you know. But anyway, mm-hmm. I show up and they got to put me in all kinds of PPE because, you know, it's one of the warehouse. It's a national. They got ISO regulations Guidelines. that they follow. Yeah. And so they're compliant with all these safety regulations. And I got my catch pole. And I go in there, and sure enough, I mean, from way across the the warehouse, they got all these big, huge shelves, and I see the bobcat, like, in the corner between two rug doctors, you know, two of those little steam cleaner thing <laughs> units. But but Jeez. these units are all packaged. Like, they're, they haven't been assembled yet. They're just, like, in these, like, wooden crate packages, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm thinking in my brain— this thing could literally go anywhere and he can go vertical because you know how bobcats can climb like crazy. You know, they seem to be able to leap from one flat surface to another vertically. Levitate, dude. You know? But anyway, I go up there and, you know, first thing is I'm checking out the situation in my mind. I'm trying to think of everything that he could possibly do and how I react. And I'm going to try mm-hmm. to catch up him. The closer I got to him the more I realized that there was something wrong with this bobcat, that he was very poor. His fur was like scraggly, sticky, like he hadn't been cleaning himself like cats do. And then I got up a little bit closer. I noticed that he wasn't look. He was like facing away with from me. His back was towards me, which was towards everything. And so I knew that was wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as I got closer and closer, he was just like real stoic, non-responsive. I clapped my hands to see if I could get him to look around so I could see his eyes to see, you know, where he was. But he was just like, he was just like sitting in this little, this little space looking at the wall and looking down too at that. But anyway, it was fairly uneventful. You know, I was able to put a catch pole on it and he didn't even resist at all hardly, you know? And uh, so I put a catch pole on him and I ended up just kind of walk dragging him out and putting him in a cage. But he had distemper or possibly the early stages of rabies or feline leukemia, which happens with bobcats in the urban areas. But something was wrong with him definitely because uh, it was way too straightforward to get him out 
And you know, we've also dealt with uh, bobcats in other cities too. You know, you've dealt with some bobcats in Reno and Tyler Sladen. He's dealt with bobcats in Albuquerque. And you know, I wish he was here with us on this podcast because he's got a pretty good story about a bobcat on top of a pigeon coop that was really, they had taken their sun porch and converted it into a pigeon loft. That sounds so unsanitary. Hey, <laughs> not my <Ugh>. pigeon coop. <laughs> and then we've we've dealt with bobcats in Dallas. Downtown Dallas has a surprising amount of bobcats. So you and I both have a downtown Dallas bobcat story. So do you want to do mine or yours first? Well, I told the last one. You tell your, your bobcat okay. story. All right, so... Mine's not so much downtown, downtown, kind of a, you know, not like the skyscrapers of Dallas, but just outside of that, you know, once it gets a little, you know, a little wealthy, people have some land to them, right? So these, this couple have, oh my goodness, like, you know, the random, like, oh, I'm just driving through this neighborhood and we own 50 acres here. Like what, how does any one person have 50 acres in this area? It's, you know, it's so developed. Anyway, yeah, like long winding road to get back to this monster house. And they said, yeah, and we have these chickens. And then we went back. I'm like, oh boy, you know, this and that. Chickens, of course, in this area. And they had this really elaborate loft. And well, it's not a weathering yard. What would you call a gigantic chicken weathering yard for Well, that particular one was a covered chicken yard because they they had wire on top of it. Yes. And it was huge. I mean, it was probably... 50 feet by 20, if not longer, you know? And so a bobcat was getting underneath the wire and getting in and eating the chickens. Easy pickings, you know what I mean? So we get a bobcat trap set up. If I'm not mistaken, they call us out, he's in the coop, <laughs> not in our trap. He was in the yard, the fenced-in yard, and couldn't get out. <laughs> So I showed up one day and he's just stuck in there because like, you know, he didn't like bust a hole in through the wire. He just kind of like wiggled himself under the wire in one of these spots. And then I guess forgot where the spot was. So I get there and Bobcat's like, you know, (laughs) you know, all backed into a corner, freaking the heck out, running around. (laughs) So he would run to one corner, then run up the wire you know, because he's like trying to get over something, run to one corner, run up the wall, and then like bounce off of it, and then run to the other corner, up the wall, bounce off of it. And, you know, this whole time I'm, you know, they don't want an entanglement. They would just rather get away. So, like, they're not going to try and fight you, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not like, like a cougar. No, 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 no. Like, they, they will fight you because they're like the top dog in North America, but a bobcat is not. They would rather just withhold injury and just get away from you. So they're not going to, I didn't know this, they're not going to come at you and attack you. I was still pretty young in my career with Wildlife Command Center up until this point. And so I'm super, super nervous versus kind of like, should I just kind of like rushed in and got a hold of it, you know? If I had, I didn't have welding gloves, but, you know, just grab it. Just bare hands it. Bare hands it. Bare hands it. That's what you need to do. Ha, did you, didn't you do that in Louisiana when your Harris Hawks caught one? That's a whole different story. <laughs> okay. And so I'm chasing this thing back and forth. It bounces left, bounces right, bounces left, bounces right, bounces left, and busts a new hole in the wire and gets away. Oh, man. 
So not a super exciting end to that story, but we did end up catching that bobcat. Yeah, I remember that account coming out there to help you. Yeah. They had a lot of scrub oak around, which you find in that Dallas area. And there was a lot of bobcat sign around that that whole area. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, you look at something like that, and I'm like, maybe it's easier just to go buy that $2 dozen eggs. A lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all about... I Even mean, at I, a farmer's market, right? I love my chicken eggs, you know? We got a bunch of chickens in St. Louis. <laughs> that are producing for you on the reg. Oh, yeah. So I walked in <laughs> last night. So we flew all day yesterday. I walked into the office last night at midnight, and on the counter, there's like a bowl full of chicken eggs. And I'm like, why didn't they put those in the cartons, you know? So I'm sitting there putting chicken eggs in a carton. Oh, that's right, because you guys have chickens at the office. Yeah, you know, Wildlife Command Center, everybody thinks that we're a super rescue center. And so I can't tell you how many times in the spring, especially, I'll pull up to the office and there will be a box outside the gate. And it's either rabbits or chickens. (laughs) And so the chickens just join the group? Well, we just embraced our chicken. Well, now we have two very high-class chicken coops. Andrew Stadnick built one of them. And Tim Cooler built the other. And so we've got like uh, 10 nest boxes and two mm-hmm. chicken coops. And then we got the whole chicken yard, but it's an open yard with a, a tall fence around it. And so the chickens, we let them run during the daytime and then we lock them up at night so the raccoons don't eat them. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there in so long, dude. When you lock down that one project that we've talked about before, I definitely got to come out there. Yeah, it'll be good stuff. It'll be big, big stuff. But, you know, we got a bunch of different bobcat stories. You know, I'll just recap some of them. Squirrel hunting in Louisiana one time. My Harris hawks go down on bobcat. And so I was super worried that the bobcat would kill the Harris hawks, which certainly left unattended. They would. The bobcat would kill the Harris hawks. So I freaking just jumped on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we've had a number of times when bobcats are trying to get into chicken coops, bobcats are walking in different areas. And this is all the urban environment. You know, I was telling a story on the airplane about bobcats the other night. And this one person that was across the aisle, they were like, oh, we don't have those problems. I live in the city. And I looked over at <laughs> him. I said, I'm only talking about the city. I was like, we don't do any work really in out in the None. rural areas. No. For one reason is this. There's two reasons, really. For one, in the rural area, nature, the rules of nature apply. And so you can only have a carrying capacity of X number of bobcats per acre. But in the city, that carrying capacity is artificially inflated. You got rats, you got cats, you got chihuahuas, you got chickens, you got pigeons, you got squirrels. Oh, yeah, all the squirrels, do. They eat the heck out of those things. When you consider all animals, voles, pigeons, chickens, rats, squirrels, raccoons, possums, dogs, cats, pigeons, I mean... Hill bugs. Oh, okay, Nick. The... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bugs. One of our technicians is uh, runs a little side hustle called Buddha Bugs, where he has these isopods, which I used to call pill bugs. But anyway, my point is, we don't do very much work in the rural environments. The second reason, mm-hmm. country folks 
tend to deal their with their own problems. Yeah. You know? The Mr. Rancher probably has three rifles within arm's reach. And At when the times. coyotes attack his sheep, he takes care of business. Mm-hmm. You know? And so most of our work in general in the nuisance wildlife control environment all happens in the urban environments. Like that one in downtown, like truly downtown Dallas. Yes. One of the things about downtown Dallas and the way they have all of that built out and their infrastructure is the creeks are mostly limestone creeks. Like most of the creeks that go through downtown Dallas are hard limestone creeks. And so one of the things they do when they develop some of that stuff is they kind of square it off. They'll blast the rock into geometrically pleasing shapes and sides Mm -hmm. of the thing. And so the bobcats learn to walk those creeks in downtown Dallas and also walk the stone, the stone walls. And you know, there was that, Mm -hmm. there was a big mansion real close to downtown Dallas on the north side, but not quite into Irving. And the homeowner called us and said, hey, I've got some bobcats stalking my chihuahuas. And, (laughs) And, you know, what was happening was the bobcats were walking the top of this big, huge 12-foot stone wall that went around the whole mansion. Mm -hmm. Now, first off, that wall must have cost $300,000. Oh, and not to mention the multiple ponds he had on his property with ducks and geese and swans. One of the ponds had its own beach. And as a matter of fact, that's that's how we could see the bobcat prints. Mm -hmm. It it had its own beach. And then he had for his grandkids, he had this real elaborate fort and playhouse all built out of recycled plastics, molded plastic wood. You know, and so we ended up mm-hmm. catching two bobcats out of there, one of them over by the sandy beach area, and then another one over on the backside. The pump house, right? Yeah, it was like a bunch of electrical stuff went into mm-hmm. s- where the electricity went down into the water, and he had lights and stuff set up in there. But you know, that was downtown Dallas, and, and those bobcats were very intent on catching those little chihuahua dogs. And they were the little bitty micro chihuahua dogs that hardly even looked like dogs. Hey, we also saw ringtail cat prints on that home. Remember that? The, the ringtail cat actually stood on top of one of our traps and didn't trip it because they're so light. They are very, very light. Hey, you know, I was on a movie set in Las Vegas up in the mountains of Mount Charleston, and we were filming, mm-hmm. and this ringtail cat just comes out and like is checking us out and then it gets in our our bag where we had our food and it steals a granola bar what i mean this thing really? was as tame as a house cat and you know these things are so secretive Whoa. that people are like take a picture of it there's a reward if you can you prove it's in this county ever. you know yes seriously not this ringtail cat we got we got all kinds of pictures of it i mean it just come <laughs> out between it came out between the boulders it was like sniffing us it was like really curious it was like oh just people and it was like sniffing around sniffing around sniffing around got into our craft services bag which is where we keep all of our food for the movie set and uh rummaged around a little bit and everybody's like all enamored you know because they're cute. yeah 
And he grabs a granola bar and he just trucks it off. The whole thing trucks huh. it off into the rocks. So, so it was pretty cool. So then, of course, everybody that ate anything was throwing food everywhere, you know? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah, you can't do right? anything. You know, I mean, Pete, there's so many misconceptions about what's good for wildlife, what's not good for wildlife. We could have a whole discussion on myths about wildlife sometime. But, you know, reminiscing about these bobcat stories is pretty fun. It is. Absolutely. And, you know, if anybody wanted to engage with us, you know, they can go to our YouTube channel, Wildlife Command Center. Yes. We've got all kinds of great videos there. And I answer every single comment and question on that channel. And so if any of the listeners just wanted to engage with us, they can go to the YouTube channel, watch a couple of videos, leave some comments. You can even leave comments about this podcast anywhere. I'll answer it. It's a great way to interact with us. Absolutely. Yeah, we would appreciate if you guys went, checked out the YouTube, subscribed, hit that bell notification. And I also really appreciate you guys listening to this if you've made it this far. (laughs) You guys are the OGs. You guys are the real ones. So thanks again for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast with myself, Michael Bearhands Baran. Bearhands Baran. Talking about today's Bobcats urban bobcats and urban environments. So we really appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again. and Have a great day. God bless. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, aka Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.